Hi, Peter. I see you've joined the meeting. Would you like to do a mic check? Yes. Are you able to hear me? I can hear you. Sounds good. Is the volume loud enough, though? Because earlier today, I was a, on these and I was told it wasn't loud enough. It's loud enough, but slightly distorted, possibly. Okay. Kind of, you know what I mean? Um, it's definitely loud, but it sounds kind of like it's reverberating or something. Okay. It may fix itself once you talk, but I'm not, you know, not sure. Can you hear me, Antoinette? Yes, I can yeah. hear you. You can hear me? Yes. Oh, okay. I can hear you too, Andy. What's that? Courtney, I can hear you too. Courtney's the host tonight. Oh, okay. All right, good. It hasn't been working, so that's cool. Thank you. You don't know Andy's that Antoinette's joined the HPC. She's our, our newest member. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> You're too funny. <laughs> I was really excited personally. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm here tonight to give the oath of office. Well, I was okay. excited too, Antoinette. I was like, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to trick you all. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, hi everybody. Nice to see you. Yeah, nice to sort of meet you. You too. <laughs> so Vice Chair Prezel, I think we're just waiting for um, oh. member Mueller. I haven't got any correspondence that he's not attending or having difficulty, but I'll keep monitoring. Okay, sounds good.
Courtney, it looks like he just joined as an attendee. I see him. Let me move him over. Thank you so much. There we go. Committee member Muller, I see you've joined the meeting. Would you like to do a mic check and turn on your camera? Yeah, I've got uh, the mute off. I presume you can oh, hear yes. me. Yes, absolutely. I'm to to, to work here, but I'm not. I see you. You do? Yes. I see you. Okay. Well, that's good <laughs> enough then. Uh, I'm sorry I'm late. Uh, the password uh, that I get as a panelist doesn't seem to you know agree with uh, what it's expecting when you log that's in. That's okay, we got you all set up. When you log okay. in as an attendee, we just move you right over. Thank you. Okay. Are we ready to get started then? We are if, if you are. Okay, great. Um, Good evening and welcome to the Thursday, August 19th, regular meeting of the Historic Preservation Committee. Madam Clerk, can you please call roll? Committee Member Muller. Here. Committee Member Soriano. Here. Vice Chair Purcell. Here. Um, the oath of office for the new Historic Preservation Committee member, Elizabeth Soriano, will be administered by Antoinette Mann, City Clerk. Elizabeth, I have the honor this evening to give you your oath of office. So I am going to uh, have you repeat after me. You're going to need to raise your right hand. I, please state your name. I, Elizabeth Soriano. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear that I will support and defend that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States, the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the state of California and the Constitution of the state of California against all enemies against all enemies foreign and domestic foreign and domestic that I bear true faith and allegiance that I bear true faith and allegiance to the Constitution of the United States. To the Constitution of the United States. And the Constitution of the State of California. And the Constitution of the State of California. I take this obligation freely. I take this obligation freely. Without any mental reservation. Without any mental reservation. For purpose of evasion. For purpose of evasion. And that I will. And that I will. Well and faithfully discharge the duties will faithfully say that again sorry will faithfully discharge the duties will faithfully discharge the duties as a member as a member at the historic preservation committee at the historic preservation committee for the city of san buenaventura for the city of san buenaventura congratulations and i know we sent you your oath of office when you have a chance yes. to sign that uh, i didn't then and, and i didn't and I promised I didn't bend it. So that was, <laughs> I left it, I opened it, I put it back in the envelope and I said, I will not bend this. Otherwise Antoinette will 
will come after me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for uh, letting me do the oath of office for you this evening. And we are very thank you. pleased to have you on the Historic Preservation Committee. Thank you. Welcome. Yes, welcome to the group, Elizabeth, for our uh, committee member, Soriano. We're all very excited to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you. Um, now we can move on to public communications. This is the time we set aside for public communication to talk about any item that is not on tonight's agenda. Madam Clerk, is there anyone who would like to speak to us on any item not on the agenda? No, there are not. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, seeing none, we will move on to the next item on the agenda, and I believe we have a staff presentation. Yes, uh, thank you everybody. Uh, are you able to hear me well? Okay. Um, in March of this year, March 15th to be exact, uh, I gave this presentation to council. Uh, we asked you to review the video. This is an opportunity to talk about how it applies to HPC. I'm going to go through the slides very quickly, not with the intent to represent it, but just to uh, be a reminder that these slides are there and we can come back to any of them as, as we need to. Next slide, please. Oh, and I forgot to mention, uh, the same presentation was given to the Planning Commission on May uh, 19th and to the DRC last night. This is just a list of the topics that are in the overall slideshow. Next slide. A little bit about my background. Uh, we can talk about this if you like, but we don't need to. Next slide. Also I wanna note, some of these slides, the, the presentation was made for council. Some of these slides are more applicable to some boards than others, uh, but uh, I, didn't want to change anything in the slide so that uh, you're seeing the same thing that was shown uh, on March 15th. Uh, the, the source of all of the land use regulation, including historic preservation, uh, comes from the government's ability to limit the rights of an individual to protect the health, safety, or welfare of the community or of others. Uh, historic preservation, as well as other types of issues in planning and zoning, uh, fall under welfare uh, because it is uh, good for the public and the community uh, to have uh, important historic uh, resources preserved. Uh, next slide. There are many layers of local regulation. Uh, for HPC, there actually are layers above this, uh, uh, state and, and, and federal laws, the Secretary of Interior Standards, uh, but at the local level, we have our general plan, we have our specific plans, special plans, municipal code and such. Next slide. Uh, please click once. So for all of the types of work that uh, the Community Development Department brings forth to either Council, Planning Commission, DRC or HPC, they, they generally fall into two categories. Uh, one are people who want to change the rules, that's the legislative process. The other is people who are following the rules and following the existing processes and stuff, that's the ministerial and discretionary process. 
the HPC's role is primarily in the discretionary process uh, where you will review in a quasi-judicial role uh, proposals on property uh, that come forward. There will be some legislative uh, topics that HPC will tackle, um, such as you will be making recommendations to council on the uh, historic context statements, uh, on the historic uh, citywide survey, and, and things like that. So there is a, 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 a mix of legislative actions or legislative recommendations that HPC will take. Next slide. Uh, this is another factor that has to be weighed for all land use decisions. Uh, even if we did not have any historic rules or a, 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 an HPC, we would still have to look at historic issues because under CEQA, uh, uh, being a historic resource is a uh, category of potential environmental impact that has to be looked at. Uh, so. Even without an HBC, some of these things about historic preservation uh, uh, could still happen. Next slide. The fundamental challenge with all of the land use uh, actions and authority that the city has is that uh, there will normally be a difference of, of positions and opinions on what the city should do. Uh, sometimes there'll be a case where there'll be an applicant voluntarily wanting to uh, uh, either preserve or restore a historic resource, and uh, that will be uh, generally a more easy process for the HBC. But there will be times where uh, a property owner will trigger being a historic resource but won't be happy about it and won't won't believe it's fair. And uh, the balancing of the rights is extremely important. Um, we we need to do what is important to meet uh, what is under the law and the intent of the law. But at the same time, uh, we have to be careful not to infringe uh, too much on the rights of 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 the applicant. And the the challenge is trying to get it just right. Next slide. Uh, this is just a slide that uh, uses an analogy of when you're in, when when a city board is in the legislative mode, uh, they are more like the state assembly or Congress. Next slide. Whereas when you're in the quasi-judicial mode, think more like a courtroom where you're uh, either, the, either the judge or jury, depending on the type of courtroom you're in. Uh, they're much different type of scenarios and uh, your um, responsibilities and constraints are different in each. And um, the key thing is when you're in quasi-judicial role, when you're talking about a specific property, uh, you are, it is more like the courtroom uh, and uh, the decisions, next slide please, and the decisions need to be based on information uh, made available in the hearing process, whether it's the staff report, uh, whether it's uh, speakers at the meeting, uh, other associated reports and such. Uh, the decisions are not supposed to be made on your personal opinion. Uh, 
board members aren't supposed to do independent investigations. A clarifying point on this because it came up at DRC, uh, a board member looking up a public document, that's not what we mean by an independent investigation. Uh, if you look up a public document, that's fine. Everybody has access to that. Uh, we did at one point have a, a board member ask if they could interview the applicant, interview the neighbors of a project. Uh, and in the quasi-judicial role, that that's not appropriate. So that's why this is up there. Next slide. So again, this is just a quick comparison. Uh, if you have questions of, of the legislative and quasi-judicial, if you have questions, we can come back to this. Next slide. And so uh, just for sim simplification reasons, uh, we outlined the major players involved in the quasi-judicial process. Uh, clearly there's the city, uh, that's the council, that's staff, and that's all the boards. Um, we are the agency that has the authority in making the land use decision. Next slide. Many projects will involve other agencies where there'll be overlapping jurisdiction. Sometimes uh, they'll have direct authority. Sometimes they will just uh, uh, comment on items. Next slide. Clearly in the quasi-judicial process, because everything is about an applicant proposing to do something, there will be a property owner involved. Uh, they will have agents and consultants. Uh, uh, it could be architects. It could be uh, uh, historic experts, depending on, on, on the case. Next. And then there is, is, is the public, which we are simplifying as being everybody else who is not in any of the upper categories. Uh, they, they have the right to speak and be, uh, uh, participate in the process, but they aren't decision makers. Next slide. And please click one more time. This is just uh, for information about kind of in, again, simple terms, what a typical discretionary process looks like uh, and how it differs from a ministerial process. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this because there, there are aspects of what HPC does that if it were not for the age of the building would be a ministerial process. If somebody wants to come in and change the windows and the building was built in the year 2000, it would be a ministerial process and there would be no hearings and there would be no discretion. Uh, but if it's a... Uh, uh, application involving a structure over 40 years, there, there is a check to see whether or not it could be a historic resource where a phase one uh, can be asked for. So uh, now in the case of the example that the slide was originally made for, it's for a development project of, of a larger one, uh, but I just wanted to go through how for the HPC and for applicants who might get in the HPC process, uh, many of them might believe they're in a, in a ministerial process that they, that they don't need to go through any type of hearings, and they might end up having to, depending on uh, if, if the building has 
potential historic value. Next slide. And then one more click. And this is this is a this slide is really more applicable to council planning commission and DRC uh, because the state has made it so that there are um, types of projects, housing projects uh, that can bypass all hearings. This isn't going to apply to HPC much because if it's a potentially historic resource that state law allowing you to bypass hearings does not apply. Uh, but for projects that go to the other boards, uh, there are things that currently go to them and go to a hearing eventually that uh, in the future uh, may not uh, if, it, if the applicant qualifies for certain state laws. So next slide. And then click a couple times. So this is just, again, a, a summary of the, of, of the topics. Uh, with icons for a bad analogy of porridge for trying to get, you know, the right balance of the private property rights and, and, and the rights of, and the rights of the community, <coughs> as well as the quasi-judicial role of being like in the courtroom, whereas a board member, uh, you, you act like a judge or jury on a project, uh, uh, which is its own challenge that, you know, the HPC members have experienced. Next slide, which should be the questions and slide. Yes, so um, we can go back to any of the slides that you want to talk about or just talk in general about any questions you have about uh, the HBC's role from a quasi-judicial standpoint uh, or, the, or the legislative standpoint, actually. Uh, uh, but the intent is to open this up to be able to have a discussion um, uh, between staff, including the city attorney's office as needed and the HBC members. Great, thank you so much for your presentation. Um, and I see committee member Mueller has a question. Well, uh, I appreciate the clarification of quasi judicial roles and uh, legislative uh, types of uh, decisions. And uh, my experience, uh, the HPC has been that we do a little of both sometimes in what is mostly a quasi judicial proceeding. Somebody comes to us with a project, we get a, you know, a nice big report from the staffing uh, on the planning uh, uh, group and uh, we read through this and uh, maybe there's a consultant who submitted a report and we read through that and uh, and suddenly we have a question about the conclusion one way or the other on, you know, the historical integrity or the, you know, the viability of this. And uh, we uh, have, I think, in the past stated things like, well, this could be approved if. And, and then, you know, I guess it goes back for further review. Uh, do you have any guidelines or any comments on, on how we should handle those situations? Because we try to do everything only by consensus and only when we're in public session. Yes, exactly. And, and I would I would say that the example that you're describing is just quasi-judicial. Uh, uh, there, there, there are things and there will be things that come forward that will be more on the legislative side. And and the reason we're we're calling this out as an example, let's let's just step back to when the 
historic context statement and survey ends up coming forward. So when that comes forward, imagine you're like a member of Congress. Congress talks about legislation outside of Congress all the time. That's the norm. They're, they're talking to their peers, they're talking to constituents. So if, if it's a legislative action, like something that's going to be in an ordinance, uh, the message that we want to convey is it's okay to have conversation out, outside of, of the board meeting. When it's quasi judicial, then it, it flips. Then it's like, okay, act like you're a courtroom. Um, realistically, you're, you're residents, you are still going to have conversations. People might talk to you. Uh, there's ex parte communication where you report what is said, but you should generally try to, well, you should try to avoid making any type of commitments. You should also not talk amongst yourselves about, about that. Um, and Andy can go into that a, a little bit more if I miss something. But in the cases you're talking about where a project comes forward, um, there's a staff report, the applicant might have a presentation, there might be consultants on both sides. Using the courtroom analogy, you can, you, you can view it as, again, you're the judge and jury. Uh, the staff is one of the um, uh, sides in the case, if you will, trying to make a case to you to do a certain thing. The, sometimes staff and the applicant may agree. Uh, sometimes the public may have a different opinion, but generally there's going to be lots of different pieces of information and you should ask the questions to find out um, what the appropriate uh, action or recommendation should be. Uh, because sometimes uh, the appropriate, we, staff hopes that our recommendations are, are, are always such that the HPC is gonna believe that that's the appropriate one. Uh, but the whole point of HPC is to make that judgment call. Is it really? Did the applicant raise something uh, that, that uh, makes you question whether the staff recommendation is appropriate? Does the public raise something that makes you question what the appropriate action is and stuff? So the asking of questions is absolutely appropriate and you should continue. Um, and, and so do we have procedures for that? Not, not necessarily. There, there are, um, Annie can speak to, there are standard kind of uh, rules for the operating of public hearings. Uh, but from a basic perspective, uh, as a board, ask the questions, um, uh, have your deliberation, and then you eventually vote. And you may all end up agreeing on, on what the outcome should be, uh, but sometimes it will be a split vote. And, and that's okay. That's, uh, that's not a failure of the process. That's simply... Uh, different people taking the information and coming to a different conclusion. And Andy, do you wanna chime in on, on, on like the rules of order? Yeah, thanks, Peter. Uh, essentially, as you probably know or may know, the HPC follows the city council protocols. Uh, the city council has adopted a, a certain, I guess, rules of decorum for the, the process, the hearing process. 
And so you, you see that play out each time as the chair uh, has the staff presentation, the applicant presentation, and then public comment, and so on. So that's designed to, to make keep the process fair, both for the applicant and for the public. And so I think generally the chair does a great job of following that process in an effort to try to keep everything as consistent and fair as possible. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, did we have any other committee members have questions of staff? Okay. Um, I believe let's switch screens here. I believe um, if we don't have any other questions of staff, um, Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who would like to speak on this item? No, there are not. Okay. With that, we can close the public hearing and we have a period of time to deliberate on issues if we so choose. I see committee member Mueller's hand raised. Committee member Mueller, go ahead. Well, uh, I'd like to take this opportunity, uh, you know, to, to thank the staff for all their hard work during the, you know, the uh, COVID crisis here and our, our ad hoc kind of uh, arrangements. Um, at, at one time in the somewhat distant past, I think, we had talked about training for HPC and uh, perhaps, you know, we'll get to the point where we can revisit that uh, as, as things smooth out, uh, you know, as, as everyone gets vaccinated. By specifically, uh, I think it would be a great thing for there to be in writing exactly the format of how an HPC meeting is constructed. I've, I've taken notes on these as I've gone along, uh, but, uh, you know, when do you call for uh, ex parte communications? When do you call for public comment? When do you close this and open that. Um, if there is some document that, you know, is out there, that'd be good. If, if one could be put together, then I think we'd all have that benefit. Um, and, and secondly, um, I, I think it would be helpful for me at least to have some description of what the typical flow of uh, procedures would be uh, for, you know, the typical HPC case. Where does it start? How does it, you know, go through all the various other departments? When do we see it? And how do we know, you know, what the, well, you know, are there different categories of, uh, of cases where there are, you know, uh, bigger or lesser implications? Uh, sometimes that's not uh, entirely clear when we're in session, uh, at least to, to poor old me. So if you could take that as a, you know, as a uh, suggestion, uh, and as time permits, uh, I think that'd be a great help. Committee member Soriano. Yeah, I just want to say that would be hugely helpful to me as well. Sure, we can try and answer some of that right now for you. So, um, as uh, Andy mentioned, um, each of the boards follows the, the, the protocols and procedures of uh, the city council so we can forward that to you and that has kind of the order of the proceedings it gets very detailed and specific about about things so um, happy to forward those on to you for 
for you to look at. Um, uh, so uh, that'll answer that question. In terms of process and what kind of happens behind the scenes before things come to a hearing, um, as Peter touched on, here's a very high level. Um, I, I hate to say this, but most of the time our responses to what's processed and what happens is it depends. So each, a lot of the land use stuff and because it's very site specific, resource specific, every project is different, every uh, site is different, um, it can get a little unique case-by-case uh, -case situation. So um, it really depends. If we just go high level, what, what initially happens as a like quasi-judicial project begins. You know, these are not the projects like ordinances or the context statement or the general plan update, but things that are somebody submitting an application for a specific property or project. Uh, they will submit an application to the city and it's a planning application. These things start off in the planning division. And um, what happens is that in that um, application process, staff will take that and take that into a internal staff for review. And we have an internal review uh, committee called um, DAC, which is our development advisory committee. And it's made up of members of every department that touch development in the city. So it has people from public works, such as transportation, uh, land development that looks at stormwater and grading and engineering issues. We have uh, members from the fire department that look at access and fire safety. We have members from the police department who look at uh, safety and police concerns. We have planning there. We have building and safety that look at from a, from a building code. Um, and then we also have city attorney's office there and um, uh, uh, I feel like I'm missing somebody. Anyways, there's, there's many departments there and uh, it starts with the review from the departments to make sure all of the codes um, in our municipal code, state regulations and things of that nature that is our responsibility to um, govern are met. And so that can take some time as is outlined here under formal application that internal review results in a 30 day review from us that either will generate a letter that says, these are all the things you need to do or change or deficiencies in your project. Um, and the applicant will have to address it and resubmit. Uh, for a historic type of project that looks like we're gonna need to do a phase one because we identify this, this project needs more historic evaluation and they'll have to commission a study for um, for uh, that analysis to be done and submitted. Um, and so th those are kind of the most common situations or if it's an application for a landmark, uh, you know, submit the appropriate documentation for a review uh, and, and go through the process of preparing it for a hearing. So once the all the necessary studies are done, uh, staff believes all the the codes that are pertinent are met, and we believe in general and concept, a project can, can work and is ready to go before a hearing body. It's scheduled for a hearing, and then we go through the process um, uh, of preparing it for hearing. That has very specific laws and regulations around it too. There's specific noticing that has to happen um, for the project to let the public know it's happening. And then um, 
newspaper noticing, site noticing, things of that nature. And then staff reports are generated and posted for the HPC's review and the public's review. So the HPC gets the um, staff reports at the same time that the public gets them. And again, it's part of that fairness of everyone gets all of the information all at the same time. Um, so uh, it's uh, available to everyone in preparation for the hearing. That has to happen a minimum of 72 hours before a hearing, um, but most of the time you get it even more in advance than 72 hours. And uh, once it comes to, to hearing, discuss it at a hearing, and after that, if you are making a recommendation to the next hearing body, which HBC is um, operating as a recommending body, um, if there's specific direction from the HPC to modify or do further study or, or things like that, that'll go back into staff's wheelhouse of getting all of that prepared. And then it goes through the same process of getting it onto the next hearing body with the proper noticing and for their review and action. So that's kind of a high level. Um, it is more complicated than that, but that's um, kind of a, a simple overview of what happens behind the scenes. So I hope I answered that well enough. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I wondered if I could ask uh, real quickly. So um, when we review projects through the five-day process, is that kind of like, um, I mean, we're almost acting as part of the, is that part of the discretionary process that, you know, like the it's the pre-commission review of the projects. I just, maybe somebody could kind of also go through what that process should look like ideally for us? Yeah, uh, let me comment on that a little bit. Um, let me start big picture and uh, with big picture, and it might seem I'm going off track, but it'll, I hope it eventually, it, it makes sense. Big picture, we are, all of us are working with the system we inherited when we each respectively got here. Um, I think for everybody on the screen, uh, the longest any of us have been in our role is two years. Uh, the, the context statement that we're doing, the survey that we're doing, those are gonna be very helpful to us. Our ordinance itself and process needs to be re-looked at and um, it is simply a case of there are so many things right now going on that 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 need to be looked at, and it's just been a matter of, of prioritization. And council has us prioritized on on the general plan and other aspects like that. In when we do get through and redefine the process, there won't be a five-day process the way it is now. Um, if we had the time, we would be actively working with you to figure out a more appropriate way to handle the issue. Um, we simply don't at this point. And so it's kind of a, we're making the best out of, out of the situation. The purpose of, of, of the, of the, of the five day notice as, as 
as I understand it based on our ordinances, is that uh, any modification uh, or proposal to demolish a building that uh, is greater than 40 years old needs to be checked. And by ordinance, I have to clear it moving forward without a phase one. Uh, and so the five-day process is the city's method of providing me as the director with enough information to make the decision on whether to allow the modification to the structure or the demolition of the structure to move forward without additional review. Um, if, if the information is provided that shows more review is appropriate, uh, then I shift it in, in, into that lane. And if there is no uh, clear evidence that it, it uh, should go through more of a process, I can allow it to stay in its ministerial lane. Uh, but, but as it is now, it is not what we would hope it would end up being. Okay, thank, thank you. I think that that is helpful. So our role really is to be providing you with the information that you need to decide how to move forward with that particular project when, when we're yeah. looking at that process. Okay. Based on my read of, of what the ordinance language says, yeah. Okay, thank you. So say a project does come up through that, um, the five-day process, how do we, I, I, see, I jumped into the frying pan because I was getting the five-day processes before I was a commissioner. So, so I saw the five-day process, I got really confused, and then they said you can pull a project. And what is that process? I don't even know what, you know, what, how do we pull a project if, if we think there needs more review? So at, at, at the high level, and uh, uh, we can talk offline about the details more, the high level, you will receive information about the proposal. Uh, and the, the, the question is, should more analysis be done? Uh, let the planner who uh, posted the information know if you think more analysis is, is necessary. Um, if you don't, you can be silent. Um, and uh, then based on what we hear, uh, then uh, that is part of the decision making of which path it ends up going on. So I communicate with the planner directly? Yes. Okay. Okay. I had asked Jamie some questions about, about something and um, uh, that was good. Okay. Thank you. Well, I think, too, there has to be a certain number of committee members uh, asking for a review on a certain project. I mean, it's two or three, I think, before it receives enough, you know, weight to uh, to shift uh, to a different category. Um, and the other thing is, um, I'm, I'm hoping that the, uh, you know, the upcoming historical uh, reviews that are in process now will be a bigger tool for, for us to decide, you know, what's what's in a historic area and what isn't. Uh, it's it's uh, in a lot of places not clear. Is, able to, sorry. is staff able to clarify how 
um, what committee member Mueller stated about, I believe it's at least two of us has to request additional review for a project to move into a, a different process. Is that correct? I mean, by ordinance, uh, the decision can be made simply to require more analysis even without the five day. Uh, so, so the five days, the tool is, has been used as the tool in, in which to uh, uh, get a, a feel for the HPC's view on whether there's an issue there or not. And, and uh, uh, two, two responses have uh, been what's been utilized as the as the as 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 the threshold, but it's important to note if there could be a case that comes in that is so clear that we're not going to use the five day. We're just going to say you need to do uh, a lot of analysis on it. Uh, it's it's so yeah. At this point, two two is the number, but it, it it's not as automatic or direct as 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 it might seem it's always been respected though if if two has asked for it, it it's gone down that path right and we have to do that without consultation with the other members we just have to decide in our own view what what the status should be and submit it and if you know one or two other people agree then then there you are but we can't get together and and kind of brew up uh, an opinion on this between us. It, it has to be an individual uh, selection. That's exactly right. And and the the optimally the, the 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 feedback you're given is simply it looks like more review is necessary. Mm. You know, we're not asking for a judgment, uh, uh, but just more review is necessary on this. And, and then not responding would be the, it does not appear that any type of review is, is necessary. And just to add something uh, based on what your, your statement was, committee member, member Mueller, uh, actually uh, communicating with another member of the committee, especially when you have three members, uh, would be a violation of the Brown Act. So just keep that in mind. I know uh, committee members, member Sargano is new, but I wanted to make, make that clear. Um, any any uh, communication or discussion about an item that would be coming before the HPC by a majority of the members would be a violation of the Brown Act, just to make that clear. Amen. Um, did any other committee members have any other questions of staff or like to discuss any other topics? I wondered if, um, so are we able to, um, committee member Mueller mentioned, mentioned training earlier. Are we able to do trainings as a group that are, I mean, do those have to be formal trainings that the city would administer? Or I'm just wondering if there are things that we as a group feel like we do need some more um, training on are we able to, how is that able to be handled? Do we need to go through this to you guys to request that? Are we able to get together the three of us and and kind of do informal training or is that not, not able to happen? 
Uh, I'll answer that. There are some exceptions to the general rule that I stated, and I think one of those is uh, attendance at uh, publicly attended seminars and that type of thing. So if you have something that you are interested in looking at or a training you'd like to propose to the group, uh, mention that to us. We can look at it just to make sure that there aren't any issues, and uh, then we can give you the clearance that you need to do that. Okay. Yeah, if you are, if, sorry, Peter, if you are right. aware of um, trainings and, you know, as you are, um, you know, professionals in the profession and that know that there are uh, opportunities or conferences or trainings or seminars out there, uh, please feel free to reach out to me and say, hey, this would be great for the group to go to and we can look at it and, and um, you know, look at the funding and, and, and organize the, the sending, especially given right now, since many things are virtual, it's a lot easier to, to do that and organize that. So yes, we absolutely would lean on your expertise in some of those things. And if, if we um, uh, hear things too, we, we will definitely bring it forward as well. Yes, it, uh, the exactly as Netta said, because so much is virtual now, it is a lot easier. I'm, uh, uh, generally not as expensive. Uh, so that is certainly an option. The, the limitation on our resources to support the board for training is really us being able to put together Ventura-centric things. Uh, but historic preservation is, is not a Ventura thing. It is a, it's, it's, it's nationwide. So uh, if there are conferences and such, I believe last year or the year before, such things were brought to our attention. And uh, I don't know that every member attended, uh, but uh, those that were able to and such uh, were able to get some, some training on topical errors. So yes, if you could help, us, you'd be helping us by letting us know if you're aware of those type of things. Okay, great, thank you. Um, I do have uh, one other question. Um, are we able to request that certain general discussions be agendized? And if so, if that if that is possible, what is the process for requesting those things? So say, for example, um, you know, I just generally wanted to discuss, um, say I see some projects come through on some five days and I'm like, you know, this is like a common theme that I'm seeing ADUs in historic districts or integrity considerations and whatever the, the specific situation is. And I think it would be beneficial for the committee as a whole to discuss that since we can't discuss these things offline. Are we able to agendize general discussion items like that so that we can kind of gauge where each other are at or or um, just as a group discuss those issues? Yeah, I'll answer this one. Um, Vice Chair Prezell, yes, um, I, process would be just to um, reach out to me and bring them up. Um, I, I point back to Peter's previous comment of really um, our lack here has been our resources and our staff time and capacity. Um, I, I know I, I have mentioned in the past, uh, you know, that we have had a lot of vacancies in our department that we are filling. And so um, uh, we've just had very impacted 
um, goals set by council and then uh, limited staff resources. But as that fills out and we have more capacity, absolutely. I do have a, a desire and we'll start implementing this because we will get the capacity back to do kind of a goal setting um, at the beginning of every year and just maybe ask, you know, what are some key topics we might want to cover as a committee this year and then kind of program out those discussions um, through the year. So I uh, definitely can add that uh, as we are and coming to the end of this year and beginning of next year, I can agendize, you know, a goal setting um, and, you know, we can have a discussion of what are the top things or trends we're seeing and then um, set discussions around that. And, and yes, I uh, strongly encourage, please reach out to Netta, talk about the issues because on other boards, members reach out to us and, and say, hey, I noticed in your staff reports, uh, you don't provide this bit of information. Is that possible you can do? And then, you know, we don't agendize it. It's just like, oh yeah, you know, we can do that. Uh, we didn't realize, you know, that would be helpful for you. Uh, so um absolutely please communicate those issues because if nothing else we could we can start a list so that when we do come around and talk about as as the resources do come in and we we have the funding for the resources for the staffing for example it just takes time to hire people in 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 the public sector and such so it's it's not that you know the council has cut our budget um uh, council has put a lot on our plate uh, they have funded the positions that we need to fill, and it's just a matter of going through that. So we do believe there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, uh, and some of these goals say we would like to bring to you as well the things that we think uh, uh, we as a group need to tackle moving forward. Uh, like, for example, that's why I, uh, I mentioned we, we recognize the historic ordinance needs to be redone. Uh, and the processes need to be uh, made to work better. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of of uh, when when we do that and how we prioritize that. The new council wants to tackle goals sooner, uh, as in uh, their normal goal setting is in in January, uh, and then they adopt them in like uh, the start of, uh, of of the next month, and so they want to start it sooner so they get some time to think about it so uh netta having these type of goal setting with with the boards should actually even happen earlier than january so that we can inform council then of you know these are these are the things staff and some of the boards want to do so council can weigh that in in, in their in, in their prioritization and uh, how they want to fund things Sure, we can tackle that in the fall. Committee member Soriano. Yeah, I have a question. Um, this is maybe a little outside the scope of this commission, but um, who is conducting the new historic um, resource survey? The new one? I guess updated. Is it Sam Buenaventura Research Associates or is it someone else? It's HRG. Oh, okay. And then... Um, they're also working on the general plan and there's oh, the preservation okay. element there. So they're doing both. Oh, excellent. Okay. Then um, 
as far as say, we make recommendations and um, there is, you know, windows, window replacement can be expensive if you're doing historic, you know, you want them to look to match the historic fabric or repairing windows. Do we have resources for property owners through the city that, that, to help them? Because I think sometimes people don't realize they bought a historic property and that they have to, you know, maintain it as well. I'm just curious. Like a funding resource that they can apply for? Uh... Yes, I like a funding resource or support or any guidance. Is there any guidance that the city gives? property owners, or do they just make the recommendation? So I don't know of any funding resource. I can look at that a little bit closer, but I don't believe we don't, we don't have any. So we're, we don't have the ability. The, the main thing is the Mills Act contracts for landmarks that they can apply for, for um, uh, the, the tax um, breaks. But other than like a specific, we'll give you funds. We, I don't believe we have anything um, that I'm aware of. Yeah, we we unfortunately don't have any funding resources for for it, um, and uh, we don't have any staffing that can provide uh, specific expertise in in uh, in these types of things. So they they do need they do they they will end up having to rely on. Um, finding the right contractor um, it's possible i would hope that the consultants that prepare the phase one an, uh, analysis can point them in the direction of, of 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 other consultants and contractors who can help but admittedly that's not something we have uh that's developed in our program at this time if if i could just jump in um committee member soriano i when I first joined the committee and we were going through these five days all the time, I was actually trying to provide through staff some like resources for people because I mean, this is like one of the goal set goal setting type things that I would like to tackle is like people don't aren't aware. I know we're talking about landmarks. That's something different than just a historic age building. And so people might not be actually required to keep those windows, but maybe if they had some information and resources about keeping them, they might be interested in that. And I think that that's something that, you know, we, we as committee members and also probably city staff could get on board with promoting so or supporting or trying to just at least give people the information to make the decision that they need. So, I mean, that's kind of a yeah, I think it would be awesome if we could have some of these discussions about setting goals to talk about those kinds of things, because um, we really haven't had the opportunity to do that. I think we've kind of just been treading water, um, trying to keep things moving with COVID and everything else. But I think, you know, those are really great ideas. Well, you know, um, I'm all for guidelines and anything we can do to to streamline the process. Uh, and that that's a good goal. Uh, most of what uh, comes across uh, in the five days is routine, uh, you know, I'm replacing windows and it's and the only criteria for us seeing it is the age of the structure is more than 40 years. Uh, it may or may not be of any historic value. It may or may not have any integrity either before or after their proposed uh, modifications. It may not be in a historic district or, or have any uh, relevance. 
and so uh, unless we can really uh, find something like that, uh, you know, um, where we can point out that this, this needs to be preserved uh, and then send that back to staff and, and let them dig into it a little bit and, and see if uh, that particular structure meets the criteria. Um, I think we, we could quickly get lost in, in that ocean of, <laughs> of uh, notifications that we're getting for, for what are you know, comparatively routine uh, upgrades. Uh, I live in a 40 year, well, 60 year old house in a tract where everybody's windows have been replaced in the last 20 years. So, you know, we're, we're way past uh, being, um, you know, historical material. Uh, so I think we have to um, choose our battles and uh, especially in light of the, the shortages of resources and, and time uh, so that we're, we're working on the most important uh, structures and not, not just the ones that are old. That's a good point. And, and even though this may not technically be on on the agenda item, I uh, just want to add one more point to give a sense of what uh, what we're looking forward, which I believe will help actually make the process a little more true to the quasi-judicial expectations. Um, because admittedly, there are issues with the current process. Uh, if we can come up with a solution that you aren't seeing things and making a judgment outside of a hearing, uh, whether it's a consultant uh, who, is, who, who can do the five-day check, basically, uh, whether it's a staff person who has expertise in historic preservation, uh, who can, who, who, just somebody who can do the five-day check, and then you're seeing the ones that an expert has said needs to be looked at. Um, and so that is something that we're going to be bringing forward to council uh, at some point, probably in the next, next budget cycle. So I think that would be a good thing. And that will make it so that the first time you are seeing an item, is if it's actually brought forward to you thus it is more in line with what the quasi-judicial process is supposed to be that would be amazing and um i just would really support having some expertise in your department with historic preservation it would be really really great <laughs> um did any other any other committee members want to? I did. I do have one more question about communication, which is probably for Andy. Um, so, in terms of communicate communicating with other committee members, the Brown Act um, is applicable to agendized topics, correct? So, for example, if I wanted to call committee member Soriano and discuss generally historic preservation and windows, because we're obviously both into that, um, I can do that, correct? If it's a general discussion, uh, that gets into a little bit of a gray area okay. because the um, those that obviously could come before you. It's not necessarily tied to a specific project, which I think is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it, it could get into a gray, a gray area. Um, the safest bet is not to do that. 
at least when you have three members. If there is a full committee and a majority would be three, then you would, um, then, you know, you might be in a different position. But uh, part of the, the reason why I advise against that is, let's say you guys have that conversation uh, and then committee member Soriano goes and talks to committee member Muller maybe about a particular project or about something else. Yeah. Maybe a project comes up and now you already know what um, committee member Soriano thinks about windows. So it, it, it because it's you're discussing something that involves historic, um, the historic issue which comes before you on a regular basis, I would advise against it. Um, it might not be as bright line as talking about a particular project, but it, it kind of on the on the bubble of what could uh, could be a problem. Okay. And Andy, along those lines, uh, an HPC member can talk to staff about their ideas about general concepts. And there wouldn't, is, is that a violation? Uh, no, no. But, but I would recommend if you wanted to have that conversation that uh, we just follow that process that, that Ned and Peter described where you say, hey, I'd like to have a conversation about windows and let's yeah. put it on the agenda so that it's, it's open in, in, in the public. And then yeah. we're clear with the Brown Act and you guys can, can accomplish the same thing you're trying to do. That makes sense to me. Thank you. Uh, any other comments or questions of staff? Okay, let's see. I believe this is our only agenda item this evening. Um, um, staff, do we have any um, items to report that may be of interest to the committee members and the public. Thank you, Vice Chair Prezell. Just to give um, high, high level discussion about some of the major um, things that are, are going on in community development shop. So um, context statement and surveys still underway. They're trying to coordinate very closely with um, the general plan and the general plan efforts because there are a lot of topics being talked about out in the community right now um, that they're trying to marry discussion of historic preservation together. So um, we're, we're touching that topic all, all at once. So um, that will be coming in fall and winter uh, workshops and meetings regarding the historic preservation topic for the general plan, as well as the uh, survey and context statement. So um, that's gonna be coming uh, in the future. Where the general plan update process is right now, um, should you want to get involved or interested in what's going on, there is um, a lot of discussion right now about visioning and the guiding principles of uh, the general plan. So what's the vision that the communities desire for the next 20 years and having an understanding of that. So um, there's a survey out right now if you are interested in taking it and or uh, sharing it with everyone. It's on the general plan website at www.planventura.com. And the vision survey is those general questions and it does have an interactive map where you can um, add information um, about what you'd like to see where and what you'd like to see improve or grow and vice versa. And that visioning survey will be being released uh, very shortly. So. 
um, that's going to open up in, into August and, and through to September. So um, that's the, the topics and discussions about the general plan right now. Um, looking uh, to the future, to future HPC meetings, um, there is a September 2nd meeting that we will be canceling, but we will be holding the September 16th meeting. Uh, there will be a project for discussion before the HPC. Will that be in uh, City Hall or will that be virtual? Uh, the September meeting will be virtual, um, moving into October, and we'll reach out with more information about this. Moving into October, as of now, we will be, uh, the plan is to move into in-person meetings. Right. <clears throat> Let me uh, clarify the October. Uh, as of right now, the emergency law that allows us to be meeting virtually will end. Mm. Uh, and so unless that is extended um, in the state, the only way to have a meeting will be in person, uh, regardless of how the how safe it may be. Uh, <laughs> please note that at this time, uh, all non employees um, who have not uh, provided evidence of their vaccination have to wear masks in City Hall. Uh, you don't see council doing that because uh, they're tech, they're, I think in our charter, they're technically uh, classified as an employee. All boards will have to wear masks uh, if, uh, unless masking rules change. Although we actually think the masking rules are gonna change in the other direction. We think that even the vaccinated are going to have to wear masks. Uh, uh, even the employees who have shown it. So um, if the rule isn't extended, the October meetings may be a little, maybe still be difficult, even though we'll be in person. Thank you. Okay, anything else from staff? Uh, that's all, thank you so much. Okay, with that, I believe we are adjourned for the evening. Have a nice night. Thank you, everybody. Welcome on board. Thanks, everyone. Welcome.